tongue when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. Amen? What a blessing it is to have Christ the solid rock. Amen. Romans chapter 16. It's an interesting conclusion to the book of Romans, which is so, so rich in teaching about our glorious salvation in the first 11 chapters and that we are justified by faith. There is no condemnation. Um, None of us were righteous, had any power in and of ourselves. But then God commended His love toward us and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then as he goes into the practical outworkings of it, you, you can't help but notice that a top priority in Paul's life is the church, is, is the gathering of God's believers and, and his heart goes to that and he's urging them to dwell together in unity and, and pursue peace. And, and then he concludes the book by listing, make sure you greet, and he lists these different people from many different backgrounds and sources. And you realize, again, another little picture into Paul's heart, and, and his love for the people of God. You know, some people may not say it, but they think, I don't mind the church, it's the people I can't stand. You know, that, um, that sometimes can be the reality of, of what we deal with. Well, Paul is dealing here and he's listing the people. And you have to realize that the church consists of people. I mean, if you, if you take people out of the picture, there is no church. I mean, a church isn't a building. A church isn't an organization. A church is made up of people. And... Um, I, I remember a statement that um, Nathan's dad said, the gospel light attracts many a strange bug. And you know what? We're the strange bug. And uh, anytime you get upset with people, remember you're a people. Okay, I know that isn't the greatest English, but it gets the point home. And you can't avoid it. You can't love God and not love people. I mean, two commands, love God and love others. And, well, I'll just take number one. No, you can't do that. It's a package deal. And and so Paul lists these names and... It's easy to read, read through this and to think, 
Everything was hunky-dory between all these people. But the reality is you get that many people involved and it wasn't. And, and he's not going into any detail on things, but um, he lists people and he confirms his love to them and he commends them and he praises them. And none of the people that are listed in Romans 16 were famous or powerful in the world's eyes. None of them knew that their names, think about this, their names are, are enshrined in Scripture for millions of Christians down through the ages to read. They had no idea of that. They, they were just living life one day at a time, seeking to obey God, and in God's providence, He saw fit to include their names in the inspired Word of God. Their, their desire wasn't to be famous, to be known. You note as you read through this, often they, they were, it uses a term, fellow laborer in the ministry, serving and so on. And it was made up of a, of a diverse group of people. Some were slaves, historians tell us. Some were blue-collar workers. Some were wealthy. Um, some were men. Some were women. Um, but what drew them and united them together, we find in the answer that, that Paul repeats 11 times in this chapter in the Lord or in Christ. Greet my brother in the Lord, my fellow laborer in Christ. That's what brought them together. And, and when you think about it, I mean, just right here in our own church, many diverse backgrounds and, and ways of life, and education, and wealth, and a great diversity. And what brings us together? It's Jesus Christ. And, and we can't forget that. The church is made up of ordinary, diverse people who know the Lord and are committed to growing in Him, serving Him, and loving one another. And, you know, we could stop right there and just preach every one of those points. But we need to examine ourselves. That am I in Christ? Am I committed to growing in Him? Am I committed to serving Him? And am I committed to loving one another? And that really encapsulates all of, all of what God's called us to do. And, and yet, here it is, different people, and, and I can't emphasize enough, this is what a church is made up of, of people that are committed to growing in Him. It, and it's, it's the little steps. You know what I mean? We see these kids here, and, and if you haven't seen them for a while, you think, whoa, they had a growth spurt. 
But you know, when you live with them, you don't see it every day, them growing. It's just they keep eating, they keep exercising, they keep growing. In the Christian life, there's very few mountain peaks. It's you just keep doing the right thing, and God will take care of it. And these were these were people that were committed to taking the next step. I'm going to grow in God. I'm desirous of serving God. I'm committed to loving. And and what drew them was Jesus Christ, that all that Paul had taught about redemption and our salvation, that was the life-changing impact in their lives. But, they were still in the sanctification process that we talked about. They still were sinners. They still had rough edges. They still would fall down and need to get up again. They still would rub people the the wrong way. And they were just like us. See, it's easy for us to think, oh, the Bible, it was different. No, these were, these were real people that faced real issues and had difficulties in their own life, perhaps with, with um, developing certain biblical disciplines in their life. They had heartbreaks. They had um, great disappointments and great joys. And yet, what brought them together, they had a commitment to God and a commitment to one another. And, and they were committed to representing God wherever God placed them. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, you read of some of them, Aquila and Priscilla. Paul met them at Corinth after they had been chased out of Rome by the persecution they came to Corinth Paul met them there now he's writing they're back at Rome they say about 10 years later they're back at Rome again and Paul's writing to greet them and you think wow what went on in their lives I mean they left Rome because of persecution but somewhere along the line God brought them back to Rome it still was, persecution was still a very real issue that the believers were facing at that time. And, and yet, they were just taking the next step of obedience to God. So, we need to realize, and what you look at here in the beginning of this chapter, is a church consists of people, diverse in every way, And yet, the common bond is Jesus Christ. You also understand in this is that following Christ involves building and preserving relationships. Paul's capacity for friendship was obviously quite large. And he maintained connections with his Christian friends across many miles, and they didn't have cell phones or email or Internet or any of that. I mean, you read through this list 
and and he's kept connections and there's over 30 names that are listed in in this chapter alone so it wasn't that Paul had a life and whoever came into my life today fine but I'm moving on to tomorrow and forget you you're not here at tomorrow so there's a new day here and I'm moving on he preserved relationships. You know relationships are very important to God. Because we're called to a relationship with God. And then He puts us in a church and He's called us to relationships. And through Romans, in Romans chapter 12, Paul again is emphasizing the importance of relationship. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many members, are one body in Christ. What is that? That's relationships. That you're, you're working together. And we talked about that. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, he says, Owe no man anything but to love the brethren. That's relationships. We are, we are obligated to love one another. We're obligated to build relationships and preserve relationships. In Romans chapters 14 and 15 that we've recently looked at, he said, because of your relationships, don't just trample on someone because of your beliefs. Well, I believe this way and I don't care what you think. And trample on them. Don't condemn them because they believe one way. Or don't despise them because they believe differently than you in these certain areas. And I'm not going to... But what I'm pointing out is all of this is about relationships. It's about building. And, And Paul brings that to the front. Paul was making sure throughout all this... Here you've got Jews and Gentiles. He's making sure that the Jews and Gentiles accept one another and value one another because we're not really Jews and Gentiles. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And, and he keeps bringing this out, the importance of relationships. And Paul had many relationships. And it's evident in, in looking at chapter 16. And he had these relationships because he was involved in serving. A person with a true servant's heart will have many relationships. It, it, it's, it's incredible. Individuals that give their lives serving others are the ones that are missed by the most when they're gone. If, if you want to have a lot of people at your funeral, and I don't really care who's at mine because I'm not going to be there, okay? Give your life to serve others. And all of these that Paul's mentioning, he says... He was a fellow prisoner with me. 
We were co-laborers together in the work of the ministry. We were tent makers together. It all involved serving. And, and it's not just, I'm just going to, to try to build relationships. It's about being a blessing to others, serving others, having a true servant's heart. So Paul listed these. If you were to write down a list of those who you are actively involved in their spiritual lives, how long would the list be? I mean, you think about it. To to write down the list, to write to greet people that that you're investing in and and writing would we would we have 30 people as Paul did just off the top of his head to the church at Rome and and what would the list be like of those that are involved in your life that you're welcoming into your life you know it's interesting you read through this and And Paul was summing up relationships in one sentence. Someday people will sum up our life in one sentence. What will that sentence be? Now, we don't live our life with that in mind, but it ought to to motivate us. If we give ourselves to love God and love others... Be a servant to God and a servant to others. It will involve relationships and it will involve the nitty-gritty work of the patience and preserving relationships and the love of God. And again, I keep coming back in my own life and, and in this to Colossians 3, put on therefore the elect of God bowels of mercy. This is how... This is how relationships are preserved. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And if any man have ought against another, we are to forgive him. And, and we are, these are all These are all the things that are involved in the nitty-gritty of relationships. Why? Because when you have two people together, you're going to have some problems. And we as believers should have the resources to be able to figure out, by God's grace, how to preserve these relationships and strengthen them and make them them strong. And so Paul, Paul is urging this through the book of Romans, through the manifestation of his example here in Romans chapter 16. But then Paul shifts gears, and we began with that shift in verse 17. He says, Now I urge you, brother, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. So, 
Paul is warning them, you need to mark, you need to, to keep your eye on individuals, and there are certain people that you should avoid. Now, you look throughout Scripture, and, and it mentions this over and over again. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is, is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he said, after I depart, there are grievous wolves that will come in and seek to devour and destroy you and to lead you away from the gospel. And he says, they will rise up even from your own midst. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, turn there if you would, Peter warned about it. 2 Peter chapter 1. And, excuse me, Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. He goes on and says, many will follow their way. So Paul warned about it, not only in Romans, But in Acts chapter 20, Peter warned about it. The little book of Jude, the entire letter is a warning about false teachers. But turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And verse 15, Jesus, speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So, Jesus is warning his disciples. And he says, beware of false prophets. They're going to come in. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. So it's a consistent theme that we're reading all throughout the New Testament, and and rightfully so, because Satan is a counterfeiter. He always has been, he always will be. And he says that false teachers will appear as ministers of righteousness. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, that shouldn't surprise you. Because Satan himself appears as an angel of light. He doesn't doesn't appear in darkness and and as an evil murderer and killer. He appears as an angel of light, a minister of light, and his people appear as ministers of righteousness. So, 
it's a strong warning that Paul is giving. He's urging there to be oneness, build relationships. But he says, you need, you need to have a spirit of discern, discernment and a key eye to recognize that not everybody that says they're for God is for God. And he says, by their fruits you will know them. So, in Romans chapter 16, and we don't have the time, but we'll mention quickly some of the characteristics of those that you are to avoid. Number one, those who cause division. Note those who cause division. And, and again, we could do a series on each of these points, but God, Proverbs 6.19 says, God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. And, and it's easy for us to get caught up in that, sowing discord among the brethren. Those that are, are continually bringing division, causing issues, he says, mark them. Then he says that you are to mark those that are stumbling blocks to the truth and those that have selfish motives. What he's saying is they they cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've heard in me. So they... He's dealt with Romans 14 and 15. Don't provide a stumbling block. But these people are ones who are stumbling blocks to the truth. Galatians 5, he wrote to the Galatians. He says, don't use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh to serve yourselves, but rather serve one another. So, those that by their way of life are providing a stumbling block to others, he says you need to mark those and avoid them. Those who have selfish motives, for he says, for those who are such do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, meaning they have selfish motives. Why it, It's not for God, and, and yet I'm doing this for God. A real test if we're doing it for God is when whatever we do does not get the praise of man, does not get appreciated, whether we're content with that or whether we're, we pout about it or, or are disappointed or whatever. You know, the real test if we have a servant's heart is when we're treated like a servant. And, and, other, and it's easy for us to have the wrong motive and why we're doing things. And he says, these false teachers have an end in mind, and it's all about themselves. They serve their own belly. That's what he's saying. And he says, and be ready. They are smooth talkers. They, by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. It sounds so good and it sounds so reasonable, but it denies the truth of God's Word. And it's usually off just a little bit. Because where it ends when you carry it out to fruition is a long ways. And we are living in times today 
that we must have a spirit of discernment that not everything that says it's Christian is of God. And it will be revealed even more so as the days go on. And we need to, first of all, make sure that we are in, in the truth and in the ways of God. But Paul gives a warning. And he says, Mark those that cause divisions among you. Contrary to the truth that you've heard, they're doing it for selfish purposes. And he says, be careful. They, can, they really sound good. Now, you don't want to get where all your life is just, oh, I wonder about them. Oh, I wonder about them. Oh, I don't know. I wonder what they're... And, and it's, it's easy to get into that. But he says in verse 19, I want you to be wise toward that which is good. And simple toward the evil. We need to be wise toward the good. Rich in God. Rich in truth. And simple toward the evil. We don't need to know all the devices of the evil. We need to know every detail of truth. And when we know the truth, we'll recognize the evil. And it's easy to get those bent out of proportion. But Paul is writing all this, and he's urging them to love one another and care for one another. And, and he's giving us the example that uh, the Christian life involves relationships with other Christians and we're given to each other to build up one another, to strengthen one another. And you can't lose sight of the reason why. It's not so we can say, wow, I'm getting more like Christ. It's so we can be more like Christ and go into the world and present Christ to the lost world. It's all about the gospel. And if we have broken, shattered relationships in our marriages, in our families, in our church, in our community, we are not going to show forth Christ. And the purpose is not so we can just have, oh, we have this great church family and let's all stand around and give a group hug and, yeah, isn't, we love each other. No, that's good, but it's to equip us to go out and show the love of God to others. Because what happens when you're out there living life, you may, you may come in battered and beaten, and Satan may have really poured it on you this week, and, and you may think, I'm all alone. But when you gather with believers on prayer on Wednesday night, and you hear them praying, and you gather with believers in, a, in your small study, and you gather with believers and sing these songs, it ministers to you. It, it equips you to, hey, let's go back out there. Let's be the light in this dark world. The point is not for us to gather in here and, and complain how dark it is out there. We need to get, get the battery charged up through our personal walk with God. 
and through fellowship with one another and building these relationships so that then we can be the light that we ought to be. The reason God has left us here is to minister the gospel to others. There's an old song that was written, Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may be like Thee. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true. And know that all I do for You must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep. And all in vain may efforts be to rise again, except to live for others. So when my work on earth is done, and my new work in heaven is begun, I'll praise you for the crown I've won, but praise you more for others. Others, Lord, Yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live for Thee. Heavenly Father, thank You for the example of the Apostle Paul that indeed he lived for You by living for others. Thank You for all the people that You brought into his life that ministered to him and that he ministered to. And Lord, thank You for the people that You've brought into our lives. Help us not to resist and react to the people You've brought into our lives. But Lord, may we, by Your grace, see relationships built and established that would be beneficial to each involved and would bring glory to You. And then that would equip us to go and make a difference in the lives that you bring into our lives that we could point people to you. Lord, I pray that we would appropriate your grace to live for you by living for others. And I pray that you would bring healing to relationships that may be broken in our lives. I pray that you would give us discernment to recognize situations that should be avoided. And Lord, I pray that we would be effective vessels, usable in your hand, and then that we would welcome the vessels you bring into our lives to be used in our lives. So Lord, may we have the heart of You as manifested through the Apostle Paul. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's